All right, good evening, West End. Good evening, friends. Uh, I miss this crew. We have a great time in the South Side, but it's nice to be back here. Yay, South Side. Um, so I get to be here with you tonight. I have just arrived back from two weeks in Hawaii. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I'll show you a picture. Uh, this is my daughter, Ayla, in Hawaii. It's a real place, and we went there. <laughs> like, well, sometimes when I hear the word Hawaii, uh, to me that sounds something like Neverland or Narnia or one of those places that people talk about and I've heard of and everyone knows what it is, and you've got an image that comes to your mind when someone says it but no one actually knows someone that's been there. Um, it kind of sounds too good to be true, and are we sure that it really even exists? <laughs> that's what I think, but actually my family have a special connection with Hawaii. Um, I spent my two gap years there. I spent a couple of years after school, 2005 to 2007, uh, training with YWAM uh, in Hawaii, and I was based there and traveling out to Asia for a couple trips. And it was there that I met my Californian husband, Todd, who lived there for four years. Uh, so for those years, Hawaii was a very special place to us. Uh, the, the YWAM training that we received there and the church that we were a part of uh, were really foundational in making us who we are now. And there's a lot of what, uh, what we do now and who we are now that goes back to what we learned in those days. And so for a long time, we have been desperate to find a reason to go back <laughs> and to visit. And now that we've got kids, uh, really desperate to show our kids this place that, that means so much to us. But it, it's always seemed kind of impossible because it's just like too far away. Uh, and like, when does anyone have time to go all the way to Hawaii? Uh, but there's a story that I won't share tonight uh, where basically I prayed and I asked God and I was like, God, I would really love to go back and visit everyone there. And just this last year, he made that possible. Uh, he provided what was needed. He gave us super cheap flights and places to stay and stuff like that. And so we actually did get to go back to Hawaii for the last two weeks. And I can confirm that it's not a fictional place. It is actually real. It still exists. And we just had an absolutely incredible time. So I want to publicly praise God for uh, us getting to do that. But also I want to tell you that there's a number of things about Hawaii that I think are actually really like Scotland. So for example, in Hawaii, it rained every day that we were there. But it would be like rainy and then sunny and then rainy and then windy. And then just like it changed all the time, which is exactly like here except it's like 20 degrees warmer, uh, but just like Scotland. And they've got like mountains and they've got beaches, just like in Scotland. Um, there's like a resurgence of Hawaiian culture that's coming back where a lot of families are sending their kids to Hawaiian immersion schools where they get to learn the language, uh, which reminded me so much of Scotland and our Gaelic medium education. My, my son's in Gaelic school. We really love Gaelic. Uh, and so there was a lot of these like parallels in culture, so different, but also so similar that we were like, oh, we really feel like we can relate to what's going on here. But the thing I find most interesting is what I was told God is doing in Hawaii right now. So I asked one of my friends while we were there, I was like, right, what's going on with Christianity in Hawaii? What's the deal with churches? What is God doing in this land? And you know what? I was told that Hawaii is the only of the American states where right now the church is not in decline, but it's actually growing. And not only that, but there's this unusual uh, agreement amongst pastors and church leaders in Hawaii, at least on the island that we were on, 
where even though they come from very different kinds of churches, they worship in different styles and uh, have some varying theological beliefs, there's a general sense of agreement that they all follow the same Jesus and they're all on the same mission, uh, just in their own ways. And so those church leaders get together and they pray for their land and they pray for God to move, even though they express their faith so differently in their communities. And that reminded me so much of what is going on in Scotland right now. Like, have you guys seen this? Churches are growing again. Like, how many churches do you know that have planted a new church or sent out a new community or multiplied into new locations in the last two years? If you look at the statistics of how many people are genuinely following Jesus in Scotland right now, it looks pretty discouraging. But then when you see what God is actually doing amongst believers, there is growth again like I've not seen in recent times. And I'd say there's also this new sense of unity between leaders and, and pastors and church leaders are getting together to pray for what God's doing in this land. I'm in a WhatsApp thread with loads of church leaders in Glasgow and they're posting prayer requests and they're cheering each other on. And I see this unity amongst the body of Christ that I think is incredible and, and brings so much potential for God to move, not just in, in small areas, but actually on a bigger scale. We're in a series right now on reawakening. Uh, you'll know our church here it exists to lay the foundations for a long-lasting reawakening. We really believe that we are in a revival moment. We have an opportunity here where God is uh, expanding his kingdom here in this land. And I really believe that it starts in the individual, but when you get individual people whose hearts are reawakened to the love of God, that is when you start to impact a community. And then that is when you start to impact a nation, when lots of people come together with hearts alive again for God. That is when you see change in a country. And I really believe that we're in the beginnings of seeing a move of God like we've not seen recently in Scotland. So I'm pretty excited about that. I was encouraged to hear what God's doing in Hawaii. I was reminded of the good things that God is doing here and that we are in such a special moment. And do you know what? We got home in that storm and we were still pretty pleased to be home in Glasgow, which means we must actually really like it here. <laughs> Who leaves Hawaii and comes back to the storm and still likes it? We like it. So today uh, we're looking in this series on different aspects of what it looks like to live a life with a reawakened heart, a heart that is alive in God. And today I'm going to be talking about praise and testifying. This is all about loving God with all our heart, our soul, our strength. So if there's one thing I'd like you to think about today, it's this, that it is natural that wonderful things invoke a response. Praise and testifying are not meant to be socially awkward or forced religious practices, but they should be like a natural overflow of our love for God and our delight in him. Why, Why do we praise? Wonderful things invoke a response. I really believe that when a human is in awe and wonder, that human can't help but respond in some way, whether it is clapping or cheering or excitement or, or joy. 
And I, I don't want to pass any judgment on our church and on how we choose to worship. Uh, my heart behind this message is not to do a critique on, oh, well, if you're worshiping in this way, you've maybe got an area to grow here. Or maybe you should think about worshiping harder in this way and we'll improve on that for next week. Uh, that's not what I'm going to be doing today. <laughs> um, but what I do want to do is uh, I want to, to bring us to look at what is our heart motivation behind praise? And how are we uh, seeking to know this God who can be known and then showing him the adoration and the love that he is so deserving of? So why do we worship? I'm going to tell you the answer and then I'm going to ask you the question again and I want you to repeat it to me, okay? (laughs) We worship because God is worthy. So why do we worship? You got the right answer, but I'm going to ask you again. Why do we worship? Yes, why do we worship? That is exactly why. We worship because God is worthy. Wonderful things naturally invoke a response in us. But sometimes it doesn't feel that natural to praise, to worship God. And I think that's because uh, we as humans, we have short memories. (laughs) We don't see things in the fullness. We are not yet in heaven where we can see God in all his glory. And so we get these glimpses as God reveals himself of who he is and what he's like. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes life becomes normal and it's not natural just to feel like praising all the time. So I want to look at the Bible just now and look at an example of a vision of heaven where we can see God and he is there in all his glory. And and let's look at how people respond to that. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Revelation 4 while I take a sip of water. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you can read it on the screen. Okay, Revelation 4. Says, after this I looked and there in heaven was an open door. Immediately I was in the spirit and a throne was set there in heaven. Okay, verse six-ish. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature <coughs> uh, was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever they lay their crowns before the throne and say you are worthy our lord and god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being Right, so we could spend some time talking about, like, what's the deal with the living creatures and the eyes and the wings and things like that. Uh, But we're not going to go into that today. Let's just agree that these are heavenly beings that see and worship God, right? 
that sound like a, a fair agreement? But it says that day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When I read this, I'm pretty sure that they are not there right now, day and night, neatly reciting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Can you imagine them speaking like that day and night, night and day? Like heaven doesn't sound that exciting to me <laughs> if that is the tone. I think these guys are absolutely blown away by what they are seeing and what they're experiencing. And I think that day and night they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Like the elders bow down. I think people are like, whoa, God is amazing. And they see him without anything in the way. They get to actually experience him there. Have you ever experienced something on earth that blew you away so much that you couldn't help but respond? I've just been in Hawaii for two weeks. <laughs> this was like my everyday on my holiday. Uh, I'll show you a picture. Um, this is a stunning waterfall in Hawaii. Uh, you can see my brother Gus jumping off a cliff right there. And you can see Crooksy waiting for his turn as well. Um, so we went on this drive this day. We sat in the back of a truck and we drove around these really windy roads and we saw incredible things from, you know, a volcano to like black sand beaches where the sand is black because it's volcanic rock uh, to stunning waterfalls that you could jump off uh, to like jungle and plants. And honestly, like you should have heard us in the back of this truck. We were like, it's as if you're at a football match or something, like the singing and the cheering and the noise. And we were just blown away by what we were seeing. <laughs> like we'd get around a corner and then there'd be like stunning cliff, blue ocean, waterfall. We'd be like, waterfall, look at the cliff. Or like get to the black sand beach and be like, black, like look at the sand, it's actually black. How amazing is that? And then like we'd be driving through like jungle and there'd be these like vines hanging down from the trees and we'd be like, look at the vines. And then the thing that I found most amazing, right? See the rehope plants, the monsteras? Yeah, well in tropical places, they grow much bigger than they do in Ikea. And you've got these whole trees covered in these plants, the size of trees with like millions of leaves and all the fenestrations. And we were just like, look at the monsteras. Like, they're huge. We were completely blown away by what we were seeing, and we couldn't help but not shout about it. I am sure everyone here has had that experience where you experience something so great you can't not respond to it. Has anyone here ever got a puppy? Yes. How can you not be over the moon excited when you get a puppy? <laughs> has anyone here ever got to the top of a Monroe? Yeah, that feeling that you're like, please, can we not go back to Glasgow today? And you just want to stay there. Have you ever had dinner at Six by Nico and had to Instagram your food? Like, who takes pictures of their food and then posts it publicly because you want to show people what you ate? Anyone? Wonderful things invoke a response in us. We as humans can't help but respond when something is just that good. 
And if it doesn't feel natural to praise God, then I invite you, I highly recommend that you spend some time seeking out who is this God who is so good? Who is this God who can be known even here on earth? Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and you don't feel quite as excited about him as you used to. Do you know what? That is totally normal because relationship with God is kind of like relationship with people where sometimes when you meet someone and you learn to love them and you think that they're great, you think about them all the time and you want to be with them all the time and you talk about them all the time. But then sometimes it's the people that we've known the longest and who who we've loved the longest who we start to really take for granted and we don't appreciate them anymore. And then we have to be intentional to remind ourselves, actually, what do I love about this person? Or how can I reach out to them in a way that will remind them that I actually do really love them? Because that's not naturally what I'm like around them these days. It can be like that with God. Sometimes we get so used to talking about answered prayer or we get so used to just talking about the God of the heavens who who saved us that we lose our awe and wonder in how good he actually is and how much more there is of him we could get to know if we want to spend the time to get to know him. If your love for God is needing refreshed, you're probably not alone. There's probably a lot of us in that place. So I highly recommend that you seek him out in whatever avenue you can find him, whether that's pouring yourself into the Bible, reading it cover to cover, spending time looking for who he is, or maybe you're someone who loves to read books and and to learn more and you get a lot of life out of that. Maybe you just need to get outdoors and be in nature or hang out with people who also know God. I don't know, whatever posture gets you in a place where you can learn more about God, where you can spend time with him, get yourself there. Because he is so worth knowing. And there is always more of him to get to know. Why do we worship God? Okay, I want a bit more enthusiasm. Why do we worship God? Because he is worthy. Whether we know it or not. And I think what's most important about praise is not the style in which we praise or the things that we do. It's that heart behind the things that we do. So I want to share with you now uh, some of the Hebrew words used in the Bible, uh, which mean praise, because there's actually several different words that get translated in our English versions as praise. And and each word has a slightly different flavor or or kind of praise uh, that I find really interesting because it helps us to see, like, what was the writer of this part actually meaning and actually talking about when when they're talking about praising God. Now as we go through these words, I don't want you to get any doubt in your English translations of the Bible. Uh, Your English translation of the Bible is fine. All of these words do mean praise, but there's just this extra flavor on each one that I want us to look at. So seven words. The, The first one is halal, not a method of preparing meat in this case. It is Primarily, primarily a Hebrew root word for praise. Our word hallelujah comes from this base word. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, show, to rave, celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. So this is the kind of praise where you are so raving and celebrating in praise that you don't care if you look like a bit of an idiot. Has anyone ever praised like that here? <laughs> It's like you're completely raving and celebrating. Psalm 113, 1-3 says, Praise the Lord. 
praise the Lord, you his servants, praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And that is this raving, celebrating, don't care what I look like praise. There's a few verses there you can see on the screen. Another word is yada. It's a verb with a root meaning, the extended hand, to throw out the hand, therefore to worship with extended hand, to lift the hands. I've been told as well that this word uh, has the association with, uh, you know, when like really small children come running to their parents with their hands up like this, like kind of reaching out. It's like that reaching out in adoration. Um, some Bible examples of this one. Oh, it's on your screen. I can just turn around. Second Chronicles 20, 21, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Psalm 63, 1, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. This is the reaching out to God kind of praise. And, and I, I kind of think it's like, you know, that emoji that's like, like the two hands. I think that's this kind of praise. So that, that would be the emoji translation of the Bible, is that one. Okay, another one, Toda. I don't know how to pronounce these. You can make fun of me later. Comes from the same principal root word as Yada, but is used more specifically. Toda literally means an extension of the hand in adoration, a vowel or acceptance. By way of application, it is apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it is used for thanking God for things not yet received as well as things already at hand. So Psalm 50, 14. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High. Or Psalm 50, those who sacrifice, thank offerings, honour me, and to, blame, to the blameless I will show my salvation. Uh, I imagine this kind of praise is why some people in worship stand with their hands kind of out like this. You know, like as if like you're about to give me a present type posture. And it can be like an adoration, like, God, I just love you. But it also can be like, a, God, I believe you're who you are even when I'm not seeing it. Or I'm expecting to see you move in a certain way. Or I just want more of you and I'm here and I want more. That's what this kind of praise is. I don't know about you guys, but when I first started coming around a church where people put their hands in the air in worship, I found it very uncomfortable. <laughs> And a bit strange. <laughs> and so as I'm sharing this, I hope you don't feel any pressure to perform. Like, okay, therefore now you must worship like this. But I hope you can see and understand that when people are putting their hands in the air, this is why. <laughs> the heart posture is, God, I'm reaching out to you. God, I want more of you. Uh, they're not trying to look weird, even if they look weird. <laughs> right, another word, Shabbat, means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. We have loud worship in Rehope. We turn our sound system up to a loud level. <laughs> and we do this to give space for you to shout and sing loudly if you want to. Loud worship is not the only kind of worship. You can worship in gentle and reflective ways too. Uh, but we have loud worship here in our services so that you can be loud if you want to. Because there's lots of examples of this in the Bible and we want you to be free to express yourself like that. So that's Shabbat. Uh, I'm going to go through the next few ones a bit more quickly. Barak, 
means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration, to salute. Uh, it's hard to kneel down here in services when there's all the chairs in the way. Uh, but kneeling down to God as an act of praise uh, is very biblical. Uh, shows him honor, shows him respect. Uh, next one, zamar, means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, to praise. A musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of music with musical instruments. Psalm 21, be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. First Chronicles 16, 9, sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. See, praising God is not limited to the noise that we can make with our voice. We can praise God with music, with just playing an instrument. And that's why often when I've got nights of, of prayer or gatherings of prayer, um, I always, if I can, ask a musician to, to play some live music while we're praying. So I think there's something really special about praising God with music and inviting in his presence in that way, showing that we love him in that way. There's another music word here, Tehillah, is derived from the word halal, which means the singing of halals, to sing or to laud, perceived to involve music, especially singing, hymns of the spirit or praise. And again, musical praise. I just think it's awesome. Um, I'm going to skip the Greek words just now. Um, but I want to say with this, our God is worthy of a response in praise. And we've tried to put together our gatherings on a Sunday to make as much space as possible for you to respond to God in your way. And so however you want to do that, if you want to raise your hands in the air to reach out to God, feel the freedom to do that. If you want to step into the side and have a wee dance, have a wee dance. If you want to clap your hands, clap your hands. But I'll tell you, I don't clap my hands. And I don't clap my hands not because I believe it's wrong or because I find it embarrassing, but simply because I can't sing and clap my hands at the same time. Like, I get lost and it's kind of like I can do one or the other, but not both, and I just find it really distracting. Uh, so I've learned I just sing and I don't try to clap my hands. Uh, but I know that's some people's thing, so they can do it, and I love it when they do it. <laughs> find methods of worship that reflect your heart posture and make your worship time about the connection between you and God, not about what you ought to be doing in church, okay? I want to talk a little bit about musical worship. I mean, musical worship is not the only way to worship God, as I said. Um, we can worship him in our prayers, uh, in, in spoken ways, uh, using art, or just going for a walk and delighting in who he is. But I think there is something really special about musical praise. Something I've noticed as I've traveled around the world is that not every culture engages with music in the same way that we do here in Scotland. And I don't know about you, but I feel like there's some like unwritten but agreed upon rules about who can participate in music and in what setting. For example, listening to music, everyone can listen to music, right? Everyone can do that. Uh, performing music publicly, now that's only if you're good at music. No one else can do that. Uh, performing music in private, like in the shower or in the car, uh, anyone can do that. That's agreed. You can do that on your own. 
or singing sociably with friends, with joy. Only drunk people do that. Don't do that if you want to look civilized. <laughs> guys, I think that we are missing out on some of the fullness of being able to express ourselves and enjoy music and the arts out of fear of what people think of us or out of perfectionism. And I think that music is meant to be participated in by everyone and God has given it to us as a gift. I started thinking this in 2006. Uh, I'll tell you a story. I, was, I spent a month in northern Thailand. Uh, I think I've got a picture. Um, I was with these, uh, this, this group of people who were refugees from Burma and had fled to northern Thailand uh, to find freedom. Uh, they were called the Karen people. They lived in houses just like this. And this group of people that we went to see were Christians, they were believers, and they were absolutely incredible. I went out with my wee team of Gap Year kids and we went out with the purpose to, to visit their Bible college and to share with them about the Bible and to be willing to pray for them. But when we got there, like, we were so humbled by these people. They had literally fled for their lives from persecution in Burma to find freedom in these hidden secret villages, not on the map in the mountains in Thailand. And you could see visibly how much they had suffered to get to that point. Like they were literally missing arms or legs from running over uh, fields that had landmines in them. And then here were us, these wee gap year kids who just got on a plane and decided to come and encourage some believers. <laughs> like who are we? But do you know what? For people who have suffered such a high amount, I have never met people so full of joy and so full of delight and awe in God, like more so than any of us on our team. And we couldn't believe it. And so they used to, they would drive us around to different villages and ask us to share with different groups of people on the Bible or offer to pray for people. And, you know, we were good missionaries and we were prepared and we were happy to talk about the Bible and happy to pray for people. And we were even willing to eat food that was unusual to us. Like, yes, we would uh, eat the bowl of soup with the maggots in it and we would smile and ask for seconds. And, uh, you know, we wore the appropriate clothing for that area and all the things that, that good missionaries do to engage with culture. But what got me absolutely stumped was when they said to me in front of a room full of people, now, Ruth, will you sing a special song to us? <laughs> I'm just like, ground, swallow me up, and can I die? <laughs> like, I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not a singer. Like, you can ask someone else on my team who is a singer, but no, I, I can't sing special song. And they were so confused as we all squirmed and got so awkward. They were like, why are these people not willing to sing special song when we ask? <laughs> And we were like, who do they think we are? Like some arts outreach or something? Like, no, we came to pray and talk about the Bible. We didn't come to sing. And so then they sang special song and they had this girl stand up and she sang her song and she did a little dance. And in our opinion, it was so bad. It was almost awkward. Like, you know, when you don't know where to look and you don't know if to laugh or like just to feel awkward. But then, you know, I'm looking around at this room of people and I'm like, this girl, in my opinion, hasn't got the best voice. But she's having a great time. And all of her people are also having a great time. And no one seems to be awkward in this room except for us. And that's when I realized, are we the weird ones that have got an issue with this? Like, oh, hello. Have we, the winds agree. <laughs> have
have we like disengaged from just being able to enjoy having a good song together? Because we're so paranoid about like, do we sound good or what will people think of us? Is anyone here reading through the Bible or has read the Bible at some point? Probably a few people in the room because it's church. Um, <laughs> has anyone noticed how many times in the Old Testament people spontaneously burst into musical numbers? <laughs> like, has anyone else noticed how weird this is? <laughs> so like Moses in Deuteronomy 32, before he dies, he recites all the words to a song about who God is and the journey that God has brought them on as the, as, they've, as the Israelites have left the land and have been pressing on. And it says this a couple of times, and he recited the words to this song. It doesn't say Moses was dying, so he gave a motivational, encouraging speech. It says Moses recited the words to this song. And then we've got Jephthah's daughter in Judges 11. Right, Jephthah, is the, that's the story about the guy that sacrifices his daughter. Weird story, not going to talk exactly about that. But what I find interesting is that when he comes home and his daughter greets him, she comes running out the door, dancing and playing the tambourines. Like who gets greeted by their family members with dancing and tambourines? <laughs> Apparently in their family, they did that. Uh, the musical number I find most interesting is in Judges 5 and it's Deborah and Barak. It says, on that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. And then it goes on for a long, long way, this song that they sang together. And it's not just a David-style song of, oh, I will sing praises to God because God is good. I mean, there's plenty of that in there, which makes it a good song. Uh, but no, they're singing about that time that they drove, like, what, a nail through someone's temple and they died? Like, do you remember that story? <laughs> That's what they're singing about. They're singing about what has happened and where God is in it and what God's doing. Can it be that in the past, it wasn't shameful to dance or to sing, or that's just one of the ways that they expressed themselves? And that even nowadays in other places in the world, people are still acting like that. And it's us that are the uptight ones. They're a bit weird. What would it look like if musical or not musical, we were people who didn't miss out on expressing our love for God out of a fear of what people think or shame or a pressure to perform. Like what if we just enjoyed ourselves a bit? Why do we worship? Because he is worthy. And if he is worthy, then are we more concerned about showing our praise and adoration to God? Or are we more concerned about what people think of us when we're doing that? Like, think about it. Before I finish up, I want to talk a little bit about testifying, which is another one of these potentially shameful and awkward things that Christians do. Testifying in the dictionary says to serve as proof or evidence that something is true or exists. And in Christian culture, we talk about testimonies, uh, meaning uh, those stories where God has moved in our lives or God has answered prayers and, and sharing the goodness of what God has done. Uh, one of the, the stories in the Bible that, uh, with a really great testimony that I love is Acts 3. Uh, where, where it talks about, you know, the, the lame beggar man who gets healed and then he like jumps up. So it says in Acts 3, 8 to 9, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. 
Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the, the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this is a person who has experienced God in an incredible way. And then he doesn't just privately get up and enjoy the new use of his legs. Like he's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God. So people know it was God that did that to him. And they were amazed. So when you personally experience God, don't hold it on the inside. Let your praises out. We need to hear these. Remember, we are not in heaven yet. We will be one day. But right now, we don't all see God as clearly as we could. We see partially. We see uh, dimly. He reveals himself to us here on earth, but we are still limited in the fullness of the understanding of who he is. So when we do see him, when we do meet with him, we need to shout about that to encourage other people. We need to keep each other going in this. And we really value uh, the, the, this culture of sharing testimonies and publicly praising God here in Rehope, which is why we make space for it in every single service right at the beginning. And you know, it, this is not a practical part of our service. Like the number of people that have said to me, okay, how do you actually manage that share time in your service? Like, are you not worried that someone might take the microphone and actually say something really inappropriate and awkward? Or what if someone takes the microphone and says something that's theologically incorrect and then people judge your church? And I'm like, maybe they will. But I am willing to take that risk because I so believe in the power of what happens when people can share publicly. This is what God did in my life. This is where God answered my prayer. And I don't care if we get some funny shares in there <laughs> because the heart behind that time is let's praise God for the fact that he is still here. He is still hearing our prayers. He is still moving in this land. And we need to build up each other in our faith to keep each other going. We need to hear these stories. So can I ask you, when we start the service, when we have share time, if you've got something that you know that God has moved in your life, please share it. Please tell us. And you might be thinking, oh, but this is such a small thing and I don't think anyone really cares and what if people judge me? Well, how much do you think it would mean to God to hear his kids saying out loud to a room full of people, I'm thankful that God did this. Like Jesus laid down his life and died for you before you even gave your life to him because he loved you that much. How good is he going to feel when you put yourself out there in front of a room and say, look what Jesus did in my life. Like God is personal. He's going to love that. And it's going to help us as a community as well to stay encouraged, to not forget the goodness of God and to keep going when things get hard. If we were people who keep our, our praise stories private, there's going to be so much more room for, for doubt or for, uh, yeah, just like not being convinced that God's really going to answer our prayers. So we need to keep this stuff out. We need to be verbal about this. Our God is actually that wonderful and he is worthy of our praise. So I'm going to leave you with a couple challenges. Challenge number one, ask God to reveal himself to you in new ways. 
Like ask him, what are you not seeing about him that you could see? And I would say with this, it's one thing to pray and ask God that he would show you more of him. But if you pray that, you have to start looking because I think he's going to show you. and I don't want you to miss it. And I'd say that you should look in lots of different places. Keep your eyes open when you're reading the Bible. Look out for who God is. But also keep your eyes open just in day-to-day life. Like God reveals himself through uh, the conversations we have, through movies we watch, through music we listen to, through circumstances. So ask him for more and then look out. Number two, as you read through the Bible, make a list of reasons that God is worthy of our praise. Like, notice, how does he respond to situations? How does he feel about things? What does he do in all these different different stories? And make note, why is he actually worthy of praise? Number three, what has God done for you? And how can you tell someone? And I'm going to leave that one with you to apply in whatever context you feel you can do it. Maybe you do have an opportunity to share at length the great things that God has done in your life in general. Or maybe you're just going to find yourself in a conversation this week where you have an option at the end of your sentence to say, isn't God good? Or praise Jesus that he did that. Don't miss those words out if you could put them in there. Give God the credit. Remind someone how good he is.